Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Carlson, one nothing Cardinals. Wow, he jumped on it. Dylan Carlson, home run number nine, and what a series he has had. Arenado with a drive into left center. Will it go? Gone. Nolan Arenado, two-run homer. Shallow center coming on Bader. Reyes to Marisnik. Sway and a miss. Got him. Reyes bounces back. Cards win three of four. They win this one three to two. And they're a game above the 500 mark. What a series here at Bush. Certainly was. It was a fun series, fun homestand. Cardinals take two of three against the Giants and then three of four against the Cubs. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Friday edition of the Danny Mack Show. We'll visit with Chris Welsh. He is the color analyst for Reds baseball. That was as entertaining as it gets. Cubs, Cardinals, crowd into it. Tight games, for the most part, clean games with the exception of an inning here or there. But strikes. We had action, and we had fun. It was great to be at the ballpark. Second half of the season has basically gone according to plan. Save for one inning. <laughs> like, if you yep. just eliminate that inning from what we've seen over the course of the last, I guess it's basically a week now. It's been a damn good week for the St. Louis Cardinals. Five and two to start out the second half of the season. You're going into Cincinnati. My understanding is sounds like Nick Castellanos probably not going to be able to play this weekend. Uh, we'll see, but that's a big loss potentially for the Reds. If you're able to go take at least two of three against the Reds this weekend, Dan, this team's setting itself up for a little bit of a nice stretch run. Absolutely. Nolan Arenado and the Cardinals back to 500 and now back in contention and a game above 500. It was a tough series. We had a, you know one tough loss and come back to these last two days with the same energy, same fire. It's really important. I think that's what winning teams do. You know, I think that's a lot of games left and uh, we just got to continue to fight, continue to uh, get after it. I mean, we play a lot of teams in the second half in our division and it's going to be battles, so starting tomorrow so it's gonna we just gotta continue to continue to fight continue to pitch well have quality at bats we're having really good quality at bats right now and uh i think we'll find ourselves uh hopefully right there at the end 610 with the first pitch tonight 530 pregame show valley sports wade leblanc and tyler malley then a saturday night game jake woodford luis castillo sunday morning game 11 30 on valley sports johan oviedo and that'll be against sunny gray sunny gray is two and five this year what stands out in the series for the cardinals a lot of things but for mike Schilt and uh, the cardinals a lot of their very good defense you know whitey told me you know years ago you know you're good at what you work on and the guys work on it, they prep, they study it, um, all the little things. And, um, you know, it shows up in games. And, you know, Nolan with the big play on that bunt and the third on Alzelay and another one on Horner and uh, I think the fifth. And, you know, gosh, what are you going to say about Bader's play in the seventh? It's hard to see a better play than that. A lot, of, a lot of tremendous defense that supports really good pitching. Big part of this equation. Nolan Arenado had a fantastic series defensively two nights ago with the play at the plate and a diving stop that uh, took a hit away and a run. 
Then you had O'Neal in the seventh inning with a sliding catch. Then you had the Bader diving catch. He had the home run taken away from Contreras the night before, which was the difference in the game. It's amazing when you throw strikes, you put the ball in play, your defense, and work quickly. That's the other thing. I, I think, guys, there was a flow and a rhythm to these games, which is part of as to why they played very good defense in the series. I thought that's as well as we've seen Nolan Arenado play defensively all season long. Yeah. Um, it was as good a series as you could possibly ask for from him. Paul Goldschmidt was great as typical. And, Dan, I think the difference maker right now is that this outfield is finally healthy. And it's healthy for an extended stretch right now. You're actually watching them go out there every single day. You're seeing the chemistry out there in the outfield. And Harrison Bader's energy is infectious. Dylan Carlson looked great last night. The youngest Cardinals player with three extra base hits in a game since Albert Pujols. Oh, two. Not bad. Yep. Not bad. You're seeing these guys really step up in a big way, whether it's defensively at the plate with their base running, they're coming through and you're starting to see what that looks like. If you can get contributions up and down this lineup, this is what it starts looking like for the Cardinals. Also a key on the homestand, an emergence of a right-handed reliever that really stepped up big. And that was Ryan Helsley. Mm -hmm. He did that in the series against the Giants, came in with the bases loaded, nobody out and came away unscathed. Now he's been very good when inherited runners are a part of the equation, but he started an inning clean with a one-run lead last night. You knew you didn't have Gallegos. You knew you didn't have Cabrera. You had Reyes at the back end. How are you going to get the final nine outs? And they did that. TJ McFarland, another scoreless inning. That is something to take note of. It's also notable, I think, that they didn't go to Andrew Miller in that That's time. I was going to get to for sure. Um, but the Helsley aspect of this was big. And to see him have a clean inning, Cardinals need someone else to emerge outside the big three when you're tied or have a lead. And maybe that guy is Ryan Helsley. About adding depth, whether that be in the starting rotation or the bullpen or the lineup right now, what we're seeing with the depth of that. And you also have to include the bullpen in there. And Ryan Helsley is a guy that they needed to step up in this way, Dan. They've needed him for a long time. And you mentioned it with runners on. He's been great this year. He's one of the best in baseball. You've mentioned those numbers before, and we'll continue to cite them. The problem has been when he doesn't inherit those runners, and that's when things tend to blow up for him. But he was really good last night for him, and they need more of that moving forward. Can we talk about TJ McFarland for a second in that spot? I was very surprised they went to him there. I thought that was a clear-cut Andrew Miller situation. He's pitched once in the last week. He has not gotten extended workload at all. I don't know what this means. TJ McFarland was great. He got out of a situation, gets the ba uh, the double play once again. It's like the third time he's done that in the last week. So he's been effective. But I would think that's an Andrew Miller spot. I wonder if there's something up there. Made me think that. Also made me think that because of the way things transpired the night before with McFarland getting out of a jam, maybe you're trying to build up a rhythm and a confidence with him. You mentioned the double play. I was shocked to see Sosa stay in the game. He did. Wow. More power to him. And he turns, uh, starts the double play on a hard hit ball. Really good play by Mundo Sosa. That was a scary moment at the ballpark yesterday. But, uh, yeah, to your point, there's a couple ways to look at it. Why not uh, Andrew Miller in that spot? Or maybe, hey, we're trying to get something out of TJ McFarland here because we got to have other guys emerge. And maybe this is something that builds him up. It worked. So, at the end of the day, that's what matters. But... 
I would think that for this team down the stretch, Andrew Miller is going to have to be a significant part of what they do. He's a guy that you signed to a big money deal. He's been effective since coming back off of the IL. He's been pretty darn good for you. Um, And they're going to need him to continue to be that. So maybe tonight, if they get into a big spot with a lefty coming up, maybe they go to him. If they don't over the next couple of days, I think we're going to have to start wondering, okay, is there there something up here? What's going on? This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. favorite people in the business to visit with is Chris Welsh. He pitched in the big leagues. He is the color analyst for the Cincinnati Reds. It's the Reds and the Cardinals tonight. And 5.30, you can see that game on Valley Sports. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. And uh, also, Chris runs a, a really a fascinating website if you want to dive into the rules of the game of baseball. And I have a rules question coming up for him. It's BaseballRulesAcademy.com BaseballRulesAcademy.com uh, Chris, great to hear your voice. Good morning to you. How are things in the Queen City? Hello, Danny Mac. Always great to, to visit with you, uh, especially when we're talking baseball. And uh, things in the Queen City could be going better. I mean, right before the All-Star break, the Reds are making a little bit of run. They took three out of four from the Brewers in Milwaukee uh, to pare down the lead by the Brewers over the Reds for four games. And then Brewers came in and promptly swept the Reds uh, three games in a row in Cincinnati. Then the Reds dropped two out of three to the Mets, and they're back with the rest of the pack right now, back with the Cubs and uh, and the St. Louis Cardinals. How much of that has to do with Nick Castellanos' injury? Everything, at least as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's interesting. The Brewers will say that their whole season changed when Willie Adamas was traded over from Tampa Bay. He changed the attitude in the clubhouse. He changed the production on the field. You change the energy in the dugout. Same thing can be said for Nick Cassianos when he came over this year. The guy is a professional hitter. Uh, he is a grinder. I mean, he goes after every at-bat. There aren't many guys in baseball that, that really grind it out as much as Cassianos does, and it shows. He's having a great year. And when you miss him in the lineup, it's one thing. You give the pitcher on the other team a big break, but – you lose the energy that comes along with having your star player. What's been the difference? And I've always liked him. I've always thought he's been very good against the Cardinals. Um, and he's hit the ball hard against St. Louis, even at times if he doesn't have the results. But now he's got the results, including a three home run game earlier this season against the Cardinals and Jesse Winker. What what do you see with him, Chris, as to why he's been able to, to take his game to another level? You know, he's completely surprised me because I was kind of like you. Uh, maybe you were more impressed with Castellanos than I was. But when I watched him in Detroit and I watched him in Chicago, I'm like, okay, this is a right-hander with a big swing. He can probably be pitched to. But what he's really impressed me at is the ability to hit good pitchers' pitches and hits them the other way. When you watch him swing, he actually, when he gets a low outside pitch, he just doesn't drop his hands in the, hand, in the head of the bat. He goes all the way down there with his head and his shoulders. And that's why he's able to barrel up so many good pitches on the outside part of the plate, pitches that are down. A lot, not a lot of hitters do that. And I think, I don't know whether they teach that or not or whether he just has figured that out, but that's been a big thing for him. That and the fact that he mentally is there to grind it out. He realizes how important he is to the ball club. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's very matter-of-fact, but he'll tell you. He's there to win. I mean, that's all he cares about. And, uh, you know, sometimes he lets his emotions carry him a little bit too far on the field. But 
I mean, he's there to win, and you always have to have somebody on your ball club like that. How about Jesse Winker and just him taking that next step? What have you seen from him? Well, I think Jesse's always had a good hit tool, and I think this year for Jesse, it's the other part of his game uh, that has really improved. His base running has gotten a little bit better. He's actually worked on the speed over the wintertime. He takes more pride, I think, in his defense than he ever did. Here's a guy that came up, you know, living in Orlando, I think, born in uh, Buffalo, New York, living in Orlando, and his dad probably threw him five hours of batting practice every day when he was a kid. So that's really what he did. But he never really worked on the other parts of his game to be a complete player. And I think that Castellanos has had a big effect on him from that respect, saying, hey, you know, you want to earn big money and you want to really contribute to your team. You've got to be an all-around player. And I think that's the step that Winker has taken this year. We're talking to Chris Welsh here on 101 ESPN. Chris, one of the big questions for the Reds coming into this season was what would the rotation be? Everybody was seemingly excited about what the lineup could be, and that's been the case for a couple of years now. What about the rotation? Where is that at now compared to what it was at the beginning of the season? Well, like a lot of teams, I think it's musical chairs. I mean, whoever's healthy, whoever can answer the bell. The one constant as far as health has been was Luis Castillos. But, I mean, he's got 10 losses, uh, maybe 11 now. And uh, if not the leader in the league, certainly among the leaders in losses in the league. And no one could really uh, – he was, it was mystifying to everybody who's followed this kid how you can throw 97 with his change up and lose 10 games that quickly in the season. And it was a combination of things. He was basically throwing the ball down the middle of the plate, and he's fixed that. I think he was actually uh, an error due to the new analytics. I mean, you know, nowadays, uh, pitching coaches and the analytics team are telling pitchers, yo, you got to throw up in the zone. Guys are trying to elevate the ball. you got to pitch up top. Well, Castillo's strength is down around the knees. I mean, he doesn't have high spin rate, so the ball doesn't carry up, but it really runs a lot when it's down. So uh, I think they got away from his strength, and he really paid the price for it. But beyond that, Sonny Gray has been injured on and off. Tyler Malley has been really good for a third-year pitcher. He's been a really nice, uh, consistent pitcher out there. But beyond that, you know, it's mix and match. And like a lot of teams, you know, you're looking at your fourth and fifth starters, unless you're the Milwaukee Brewers, then, you know, you're, you're kind of, crossing your fingers every time they take them out. Chris, a very important question I have to ask you. We have a lot of fans going to uh, Cincinnati, and uh, we talk about it a lot, Skyline Chili. And uh, what's your advice on on Skyline? Is it as good as as Cincinnatians think it is? Because I've had it. I'm not sure it's uh, settled well with me even after 10 years. So what's your advice with Skyline Chili? Hold Danny Mac. First of all, it's what time of night are you eating at? Yeah, that's good. 3 a.m. or later, Chris. Yeah, I mean, if you're on your way home about 1A, you know, then uh, it's up to you whether you're going to pallet that stuff or not. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like to overdo it. What I like is the spiciness of their habanero cheese. Basically, Skyline Chili, their main dish is a a three-way, four-way, or five-way. You get spaghetti, and on top of that, you get Cincinnati-style chili, which is flavored with all spice and a little bit of cinnamon. So it's unlike the chili you'd expect to get in Missouri. And then on top of that, you can put beans and onions and then cheese, and that would basically be a five-way because you got it all the way. And then you can do variants from that. And also, of course, you have the, the Coney Dogs, which is those little, cute little hot dogs in a steamed bun. Oh, they're so and, cute. Uh, oh, I mean, they're so cute, and, and you can pile them away like sliders. So, uh, you know, I, I 
would suggest every St. Louis fan get out there and just eat as possibly as many as those you can possibly consume. Yeah, uh, it, it'll make for a great <laughs> night, especially for the person sitting next to you. Um, this that, is their version of Emos, right, or St. Louis style pizza in general? Like, well, no, this is chili. And, no, I know, but I'm saying oh. in terms of the reaction elsewhere, because people no. in St. Louis love St. Louis style pizza. Elsewhere, people are hit and miss no, with that. Simone Biles was was through here, Chris, and she loved <laughs> okay. Emos pizza. So don't don't listen to BK. You come here, I'll buy you a nice Emos. We'll have and a little. Might Ted love Dr- it, but you know it's controversial a little bit. We'll have a little Ted Drews afterwards. It'll be a beautiful thing. Um, Ooh, that sounds pretty good, Danny. Did you say that you'll buy? Don't even start with me. You know better. You know better, Chris. Don't even start with me with this. You know how many rounds of golf you owe me? (laughs) Actually, that's false. I owe you a few rounds of golf. I'll I'll pay up. You know I will. Um, I got to ask you about Baseball Rules Academy. And I have a a specific question about the Cardinals the other night. And I, I go to your... Uh, website all the time during the games to try to find the information because you have videos up there with major league umpires that explain aspects of the game and i and i'm a rules geek i love it i i try not to mess that stuff up as much as i can but there's so many rules in baseball and softball it's it's a great tool baseballrulesacademy.com um so the other night the cardinals i don't know if you saw this cardinals playing the cubs DeYoung hits a ball that it looks like it's very tough to tell whether or not it hits the back of his foot and it had a lot of, you know, spin on it and it wound up going fair. Contreras uh, hops on it, the catcher of the Cubs, as you well know, throws it away. DeYoung winds up at second base. So that is not reviewable. It, it was my guess is that that, and I looked at the rules, it, 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 I was trying to find different things that it wasn't reviewable. It's only fair or foul balls that are going past the umpire down the lines. But yet I was really surprised that David Ross didn't at least come out and ask the other umpires. You know how it works, Chris. Those guys see it in the video room and they'll yell at him down the hall and say, hey, go talk to him. And because it did take like a little bit of a different trajectory off the foot or maybe just an odd bounce off the dirt because of all the spin. But in that play, um, they cannot challenge. Is that correct? And, And they'd have to get the umpires to come together to make a different ruling. Well, if it's not reviewable, you, you can't challenge. And so that's simple as that. What David Ross can do and what managers sometimes do nowadays is two things. Number one, you get a crew re- review, which means you ask the home plate umpire, uh, can you get everybody together and ask everybody in that little umpire huddle, what did you see? Did you see something different than what I called? <clears throat> and normally when you've got an umpire standing 100 feet away, He's going to defer what the home plate umpire feels like he called. Unless the home plate umpire says, hey, I'm not sure at all here. Help me out. And sometimes that's happened. The other thing that managers are able to do on a non-reviewable type play is to ask them for a rules interpretation. And that way, um, if it's a a questionable call, not a a, a bang-bang, out-safe call, force play at first base, but another type of play, then you can go in there and then you can have them in New York and review that. And sometimes you'll get them uh, to change the call based on the umpire interpretation. This doesn't sound like that. Uh, I think home plate umpires normally – you know, what, the, what you do when you make a call is that you listen for the ball hitting the bat and then hitting either the ground or the foot. Same way you have a bang-bang play at first base. That's the way first base umpires make those calls. Do you hear the foot before the ball in the mitt? And if so, then you make the call accordingly. 
Interesting. What What do you think is the most? And I know you you talk to umpires all the time, and we are always kind of left to guess on reviews, which I don't like. I wish umpires would wear a mic and explain it to the viewing audience at home and those in the seats. But what is the most commonly messed up rule that we're seeing right now in baseball? Well, I still think it has to do with base running, and I think it's because players don't know the rules on two things. Number one, the the uh, runner's lane between home and first base. That little, that little rectangular line that you see about 45 feet from home plate goes all the way to first base. You know, a lot of people think that the runner has to run in that area, and a lot of right-handed hitters, and Trey Turner in the World Series a few years ago for Washington, and it happens, it happens almost once a month at least, maybe even once a week uh, at the big league level, where you have a runner, right-handed hitter, running inside the line at first base, ball dribbled in front of home plate, fielded by either the catcher, third baseman, or pitcher. He throws the first base, and he interferes with the, the receiving fielder of receiving the throw. If he interferes by being not in that runner's lane, then he's called out. And you see a lot of managers get tossed from games. You get players saying, hey, I, I ran a straight line to first base. What else do you want me to do? Well, we want you to learn the rules. And the other one is the idea of what a baseline is. A lot of people think – that a baseline is a direct path from one base to another. So from first base to second, you draw a line, that's your base path. Well, that's not true. The base path is not established until a fielder is after a runner trying to make a tag. And at that point, the, the base path is the direct line from wherever that runner is to the next base. So he could be taking a lead off first base, 10 feet behind first base, and that's perfectly legal. Throw goes over to the first baseman holding the bag, and now – starts running after the runner. Well, as long as the runner runs at that point on a direct line between where he is and second base, he's okay. So he's not out of the baseline until he actually moves uh, three feet in one direction or the other. So those are the two things. It's usually base running. And one more thing, Danny Mac, if runners at the big league level knew the rules about baseball and running the bases, they would be much better. They, they would get their team one or two wins a year just by knowing when you can vary out of the baseline. Here's a great example. Here, here you got a, uh, a man on first base, base hits the right field, and here comes the throw from the right fielder, the run around second base, and he's running in the third. And now if you're a smart base runner, you watch that third baseman. And if you see him move a couple of steps, say, towards home plate because the throw is a little bit offline, you as a runner can actually run right towards the fielder and have that ball hit you in the back as long as it's not intentional and it's not when you have the back to the play. Uh, and you can also – so you really shorten up the throwing lanes. But runners don't take advantage of that very much, and I don't know why. So you're saying on the ball, let's say, that it hops out in front of the plate, that they're supposed to be ideally within that box going up the first baseline because we always see guys running inside almost on the infield. So they have to be yeah, in that, that lane? They don't have to be in the lane, but if they're not in the lane, they risk being called for interference. Okay. And the only time you have to go into that lane is when you're at the 45-foot mark. So at gotcha. the level, you know, they're always marked. Now, what, what, the, what the rule book says the runner must do is at 45 feet, get out of fair territory, into foul territory, and then when he gets to the bag, step back and then at the bag. Now, if it's play that happens while the – the runner is at the bag, and the and the throw is at the bag at the same time. Then the benefit goes to the runner, even because he's not in no longer in that uh, that runner's lane. Gotcha. 
Chris, final thing that I've got for you that I'd be curious about getting back to the Reds is as we look forward to what the next week is going to hold for them, what do you think this team should or plans to do leading into the deadline? And how significant is this series against the Cardinals in coming up with that plan? Well, every series is significant now because if you start doing the math, the Reds need to be, I think, 39 and 27 the rest of the way in order to get to 88 wins. Now, I don't know if 88 wins is enough to get you into the wild card or even get you into, you know, the top seat in the National League Central. But that's a pretty uh, challenging uh, win-loss record when your team hasn't done that all year long. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, my old partner, George Grant, who St. Louis fans know very well, too, used to have a great saying. He would, he would say, you don't pick the year in which you're going to win. The year picks you. And Cardinals have been very fortunate along the way, doing a lot of right things and winning a lot of games and getting into the playoffs. The Reds have not been so fortunate the last few years. So here they've got a really good team. They've got Castellanos having a, a banner year, although he's got a micro fracture in his wrist right now. Um, so, you know, I would think that they're going to try to add on, but really where they need help is in the bullpen. And everybody needs bullpen yeah. help. So the price of a guy like Craig Kimbrell, for instance, is going to go sky high. Are the Reds willing to pay it? And that's the question. The other intangible here, the, the unmentionable really in Cincinnati, is that Nick Castellanos has an opt-out after the end of the season. So if he feels like he wants to get away from the Reds and become a free agent and make a lot of money and maybe go to a, a guaranteed winning team, then he can do that. So the Reds are kind of, you know, between a rock and a hard place right here. He's the best trade chip, but what kind of message would that be to your fans if you trade away your best player? Will he be healthy by the trade deadline? That's a good question. I, I don't know. He tried to come back, and uh, he didn't realize it had a microfracture in it. He was going to try to play through it, and he couldn't. So I imagine he this – is, uh, that's a really good question, Danny. I can't answer that. Yeah. Boy, we have covered a lot. We've gotten the Reds, <laughs> Skyline Chili, and Baseball Rules Academy. My man, you're yeah. off the clock. You're off the hot seat. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, my man. I'll tell you, I can't wait for you buying me a little pizza and some Ted Drews. I'm looking forward to that big time. And a little golf, too. I'll mix in some golf with you. I miss seeing you, buddy. Good. And, of course, in order to do that, we have to travel again. And let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, at some point, if not this year, we're back to travel as normal like TV people ought to be in 2022. Absolutely. Well said. Thanks, Chris, for doing this. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up later today. Okay. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. See you, you later. Got, you got it. That's Chris Wells. She is such a good guy. Does a remarkable job on the games. Um, I love when former players dive into and, and don't just say, well, when I played, this is how it, this needs to be done. And this, He is all in on analytics, understands it, but has a keen eye for baseball. Yep. So you can mix in both. Um, and I think that's important when you're an analyst because we have all different age levels that watch these games. I used to say this all the time when I was doing uh, games with Tim McCarver. You know, people loved hearing the 60 stories. He was right in the thick of things with Gibson and Carlton and Lou Brock and all. I mean, people love that. Younger generation may not like that as much. Younger generation wants to hear more about analytics. So you do some analytics and you mix in the stories. And that's what Chris does. He does a really good job with the Reds. He's been doing a long time. Yeah, the best ones can do both. I think that's one one thing that makes BT so great at his job right now is he can mix in the humor. He can mix in the modern game. He can tell you about pitch tunneling. But he's also got excellent stories. And no, it's not the 60s Cardinals, but he was a part of some huge moments in the early 2000s Cardinals and in the mid-2000s as well. So I, I think that we are, 
you are helping, and Bally Sports is helping to develop that next wave, and I think BT is a big part of that. Baseball Rules Academy. We had some people text uh, where do they go to find that uh, the rules site, the website, and Chris does that, and you're going to find uh, tutorials from all the Major League umpires on that. Boost, uh, BaseballRulesAcademy.com. We'll take a quick time out. Tanner has an update, and back with more in a moment. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Carlson, one nothing Cardinals. Wow, he jumped on it. Dylan Carlson, home run number nine, and what a series he has had. It's uh, just a run that he had that was outstanding. What was it, six or seven runs batted in in the four games? And uh, Dylan Carlson, his first ever leadoff home run. And he uh, had a couple of doubles and a homer. As BK mentioned earlier, youngest Cardinal to do that uh, in terms of rookies since Albert Pujols in uh, early 2000. So... Uh, let's see. Let, yeah. Youngest Cardinals player, three extra base hits in a game since Pujols in 2002. It's amazing. 20 years. I, I don't think we've paid enough attention to that um, because I felt like in a, in a way he was almost hitting a wall. Some of the at-bats weren't as competitive for him. Not that he's not trying or 110%, but you know, when you're a rookie and you're getting this thrust on you to where for the better part of the season, two BK kind of—I don't want to say out of position, but playing center field, mm-hmm. out of respons- a lot of responsibility in that spot. Not playing where I think he's more comfortable. I think he projects as a right fielder, especially with his arm. Um, and we got Bader in center, and Bader is elite. So to me, he had hit a wall, and you got to be careful with a kid that's 22, coming off a truncated season, first full major league season, and now you're asking him to play. What you hope is roughly 150 to 162 games, and he's well on that pace, if not more, and he's playing every inning. So there's a lot of responsibility on that young man. And on top of that, think of where he's been hitting, not just this year, but also last year as well. You get to the playoffs, he's your cleanup hitter. Now this year you come into the season, he's batting second for you. You get midway through your season, and now he's your leadoff hitter. Like The responsibilities that he's been asked to hold for this team are unlike anything reasonably that we should probably expect from a rookie but Dan he's performed incredibly well right now he's at a 753 OPS on the year if you look just at his last 10 games he's batting 300 he's got a 581 slugging percentage in that stretch a lot of that of course came in this series against the Cubs I thought this was a huge series for him I'm with you I think there were some moments where I was like man I I hope he's able to get this thing back on track a little bit offensively because they really need him. He is a hugely important piece to the offense. And if you've got him going the way he is right now, and I know last night you didn't see DeYoung, but Paul DeYoung has been great in the month of July. Paul Goldschmidt has been awesome. Last night was another good sign for Nolan Arenado to get that power stroke back a little bit. You're starting to see them add pieces here and there to the offense. And this offense, we've mentioned it before, we will again. It's going to go based on the fact that they've got five, six different guys going at any given time. When they've only got two of them, that's when you start running into trouble. Pitching matchups this weekend tonight, Wade LeBlanc, Tyler Malley. Malley is 7-3. and three. Uh, Jake Woodford against Luis Castillo. I-, I cannot figure out Castillo, as Chris was saying in our visit with him. He has elite stuff. Last year, he came here and just shoved. He, he had a complete game against the Cardinals. He's 3-10 and 10 with a 4-3-9 ERA. Looking forward to Woodford's 
Second start now in the rotation. Very good the other night. Johan Oviedo, Sonny Gray on Sunday. So those are your pitching matchups. Luis Castillo, one thing that I would mention, he's been great in his last nine starts. Yes, he has. Last nine starts, he has a 1.7 ERA. Opposing hitters are batting just 178 against him. I don't know what the adjustment has been, but he's clearly made an adjustment. He's striking out a ton of dudes. He's not walking as many guys as he was earlier in the year. And the results are nobody's hitting him. Like He's getting deeper into games, and he's starting to look like the guy that we saw previously. Cardinals seven games out in both the wild card and the central. Half game back of the Reds for second in the NL Central, and again, seven behind the Brewers. Uh, all three games will be on Valley Sports beginning at 5.30 tonight. Now, if you're heading to Cincinnati, we were asking, you know, Chris, about uh, Skyline Chili. Got to try it. I've had it. Uh, the 314 said, I recently ate a 16-ounce can of Skyline oh, Chili to see that. what the buzz was all about and committed what could be construed as war crimes against my toilet. That's uh, that assessment of Skyline. That's rough. Well, that's just one individual's. Well, well here's the thing. That doesn't mean he, he or she didn't like it. Yeah. They just had war crimes uh, against their toilet. So, again, it may have gone down very well and come out a different way. Okay. I'm I think just it was saying. probably pretty similar. What? I'm just saying. We do a little news and notes on Major League Baseball here as we wrap up the show. The Cleveland Indians will now be the Cleveland Guardians starting next season. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together we are all Cleveland Guardians. Tom Hanks uh, voicing that. They're now the Cleveland Guardians. That's what you get. Yeah, you know, I was trying to think, like, who would you get? A lot of people are saying Drew Carey. I guess he's a Cleveland guy. I don't feel like that holds the same gravitas in an announcement like this, the way that they wanted to go about it. But I, yeah, Tom Hanks, though, pretty big. But I don't know what his connection to Cleveland is. I would maybe LeBron would have been good for that. Yeah, uh, potentially. I don't know. There's not a good answer, unfortunately. Uh, at least for me, I'd, I'd have to look more into who the best uh, celebrity, if you will, would be for the city of Cleveland. Uh, what do you think of the name? The Guardians. I don't. A little bit of WWE for me. It's, um, it's very uh, superhero-y. Indoor football league. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I I don't know if it is me reacting to it because it's new, and so I'm just sitting here like, ah, yeah, that doesn't really make sense because I. I mean, we've just known the Cleveland Indians, right? That's that's what we've known for all of this time. So I, I get why they're deciding to do this. The Guardians, though, just felt a little off. And the logo looks very strange. It looks very clip -arty. I got a guy easily that should have done it. And he's probably headed to the Hall of Fame. Tom Hamilton. That would have been a good one. Longtime uh, voice of the Indians. Does a great job. Yeah, he would have been somebody I would have gone with to voice it. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. Rays acquire Nelson Cruz from the Twins. So that was... I think you can make a case, depending on what happens with Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, that may be the biggest bat on the market. And he goes to the Rays. And according to MLB.com, Trevor Story is drawing interest from multiple teams, and at least one team is interested in him playing center field. He's never played a game in the outfield in his big league career, but yet Greg Amsinger said this morning on our show, center field? Mark Feinstein reporting that multiple teams uh, are drawing interest in 
on acquiring Trevor Story as a center fielder. So we just heard Chris Bryant say, I would love to play center field. When you have these athletic players, maybe you can do that. And, and Chris Bryant has proven that he's got defensive versatility on his side. I can't fathom a team acquiring Trevor Story, a bona fide star shortstop, to put him in center field, a position he's never played. Yeah, that's odd. I, I, I would be surprised. I mean, if you're looking for a shortstop, if I'm the Mets, I'm trying to find out what's going on with Baez. I'm trying to find out what's going on with Story. Uh, Story. I think Baez would be more of where I would lean just because I'm thinking I'm getting Francisco Lindor back at some point, and he is my guy. I've already given him the money, the long-term deal. He's at short. Baez is flexible. That's what I go. And he's played second base before yeah, in his past. So gold he, glove level. You, you know he can do it. Um, if you wanted to move Trevor Story to second or third even maybe, I could see that. That, that, that makes more sense. Moving him to center field in a position that he's never played in a position that has extreme value on your team defensively, that would be pretty stunning to make that kind of a move. If you're if you're trading for Trevor Story, you want him to be a significant piece of what you're building. That that would be surprising. White Sox, you're mean Mercedes uh, Mercedes back with AAA Charlotte the night today Quick after retirement. Dan posting on uh, Instagram that he was stepping away from baseball. Now he is the young man to refresh your memory that swung on three and zero that upset Tony Larusa and uh, that was against the Minnesota Twins. Since that time. BK, he's gone south so much so that they sent him to the minor leagues. Yeah, it hasn't been uh, very productive for him. And he said, hey, I'm done. I'm out of here. And you saw TLR come out and make public comments afterwards saying, hey, I've got a good relationship with him. I'm going to talk with him. We'll see if we can get this back on track. It looks like that is the case. He's back with the White Sox now. So good to see. Hopefully everything's going all right for him. He was one of the best stories in baseball earlier this year. Hasn't been a great year in the minor leagues for the Cardinals in terms of any level wins or losses, but the Memphis Redbirds now, they uh, beat Louisville last night 3 to nothing. That was their 12th straight win. That's a franchise record. And in that game, Daniel Ponce de Leon, who's on a rehab assignment, uh, pitched an inning, had one walk, no hits, no runs. But uh, good for Memphis. And a couple of nights ago, it was uh, Matthew Libertor who pitched very well. So he's making some strides from the, what we saw in the beginning of the year. For sure. And that's huge. They need that to be the case, whether he's up with him this year or if he's competing for a spot in the rotation next year. However that looks, they need him. He's a significant part of what they're building. And it's good to see them winning down there in AAA right now. Dan, this is one thing that I know the Cardinals have placed so much emphasis on in their history is we want a winning tradition down in our minor leagues. That way, when they come up to the big leagues, they're prepared for what it's going to be like here. Looking at the numbers, by the way, on the average age of these teams, looking at uh, a ball through triple a, and this is not to make excuses. You either win or you lose, but it's about development. The Cardinals have some of the youngest teams at these levels. So some of these guys are really being pushed, which is what the Cardinals do. They do push guys to get to the big league. So that's something to keep in mind that, you know, some of these guys are very, very young for the levels that they are at. I've got some other Cleveland uh, celebrities for you, Dan. Yes, sir. We could have gone Halle Berry. That would have made some sense. Kid Cudi. Uh, Baby, I know you've been very mm. into his music over the last few years as he's really uh, risen to stardom. Any DaBaby's of those awesome. would have made a little bit more sense. No question about it. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. All 
right, wrapping up uh, this week. Uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. And BK, you have three more fabulous hours to go. We absolutely do. I know you're going to be locked in. I'm excited to do this with yes, Alex Ferrario over the next three hours. We've got Kevin Goldstein coming up at 1 o'clock, the former Astros assistant general manager. He's going to run us through what he believes the conversations are like right now around the league, uh, leading into literally one week before the Major League Baseball trade deadline. By the way, Dan, Something that I think has kind of gone under the radar. Deadline's a little different this year than the last time that we were in this stretch, which is 2019. There's no waiver deadline anymore. Right. There's just the trade deadline. So you can place guys through waivers in August, but there's nothing that goes in return. So that'll just be a money move for teams if they decide to do that. I'd be curious what he thinks, having been in that seat or in a front office, of what's going on right now Um Four front offices. It's not only the trade deadline, but also the period to sign your draft choices. Yep. So this is a really busy time, you know, thinking of how to fit all the pieces of the puzzle of your major league club, but then financially trying to figure out what you're doing with your your draft as well. And how that determines what is going to be available for you at the deadline too, right? You just got all these draft picks and does that make another guy a little bit more expendable than he would have been otherwise? So we'll do all that coming up at one o'clock from now until then. A lot of Cardinals, a lot of blues, and we're going to have to talk about KK. Another great start from him last night. I think it's starting to lean in the direction of maybe he's a guy that you want to bring back next year. So we'll talk about that coming up as well. Looking forward to it. BK Tanner, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, I'll see you on the television tonight, 530 Valley Sports. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.